Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Reading the Room. And I have a very special guest, frequent friend of the pod, CJ from the channel CJ Reads, my bestie, and also owner of Sunny's Books. And we're here to talk about primarily the shirt that we're wearing, <laughs> um, our merch together, our collab, and just talk to CJ about her bookstore, what's going on with that, talk about queer books, chill, chatty vibes today on the podcast. So CJ, thank you for joining me today again. And just a quick you know, question for you. How's everything going? How's the bookstore? How are you feeling? Open floor. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm feeling good. We're exactly one month and one day out from the Sunny's grand opening. So it feels like it's been a year and also one day at the same time. Um, I am exhausted. <laughs> I am thrilled. I am like abundantly joyful every time I get to walk into the bookstore and yeah, I, the main emotion I'm feeling is like really worn out. For anyone who doesn't know, I'm still working my full-time corporate job alongside doing this. Um, so my weekend time and all kind of personal time has really been dedicated to Sunny's lately. And it feels like a lot, but also like an investment period in my life. So I'm doing good. It's been really fun. And it's also my first retail job ever. <laughs> I've never worked in retail before. I've worked food. I've worked a bunch of other weird odd jobs, but not never retail. So my first customer service service experience on that kind of level. So it's been a whole lot of learning curve for me. Yeah, I mean, just as a you know friend of yours and as just like a fan of CJ Reads, you know, I, I found you on CJ Reads. Like it's crazy to think about how you've done this and just like your dreams about it in the group chat and then starting Sony's book truck, doing merch. Like it's been. I know it's like you just opened last month and stuff, but it's been a long like process getting here and everything. So I just wanted to like ask you about what has been the vibe with opening the bookstore aspect of this and like, especially in Yuma, like how has that kind of been for you since adapting from like YouTube into merch into the book truck into like a physical location? Like, what does that feel like? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, in retrospect now, it's just like, I guess I was kind of trying on what felt the most reasonable at the time and doable and kind of working myself up to take bigger chances along the way with kind of how the graduality of my endeavors have gone. Um, I, in my heart of hearts, always wanted to open a bookstore, but that didn't seem feasible in Portland where I was living for the last 10 years. And um, I compromised by making it more event-based and making it more pop-up based. And that's where Sunny's book truck got its legs. And the, that idea came to fruition. And once we moved and decided to move to Arizona, it was clear that we were going to take the truck with us and keep doing this here and see if it had any kind of market because Portland is definitely a literary town. I knew it had, it would find its people there and find its community, but I was less sure about making that transition to Yuma. So after like a winter of doing events there and just getting like really awesome reception and meeting like-minded people in real life in Yuma and kind of vibing out what that felt like and what that customer interaction felt like, um, it made me realize that the journey to a brick and mortar was more feasible than I thought. Um, of course, it's like very... It's a very set of, it's a very different set of circumstances of what retail looks like from Portland to Yuma. It's a big cost differential. And so all of those elements together and like the white space in the market, to be frank in Yuma, we're the only like, 
I would say we're the only independent bookstore. There is another one, but it's like very decrepit and it's never open and um, has no no new books. It's all all used books. So being the only person and establishment that could offer this kind of resource to the community just was like all all signs go. And I was definitely born with like the, how hard could it be gene? You know what I mean? I'm just like blindly, very naively go into whatever my heart is telling me to do next. So um, yeah, gaining those little bits of confidence through like the trial of all of the different iterations of Sunny's thus far and having it be able to build to something like this has kind of been the vibe so far. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's been so cool to watch because like I know you've always had I don't know like I feel like you're the perfect person to do this and it's been interesting to, to see like your creative eye being applied to like everything Sonny's like I just think the visual for it has been so strong I remember even like back on CJ Reads you would do like book cover design videos and it's funny like how now that kind of plays into merch that you create or just the Sonny's brand and how that all kind of plays out and I feel like that's maybe a challenge that newer bookstores might face is like trying to figure out their identity, but you're also doing something interesting in terms of having an internet presence. And I think that I don't want to speak for you and your business, but I feel like that is maybe like helping it push it further more than maybe just a purely local business would because you have the book internet, you know, loving the lit fit cats and <laughs> the Sunny's merch and all the cool shit that you can wear and rep it wherever you are. So I guess my question for you is like, Will merch always be like a component of Sunny's, do you think? And like how do you think about how do you think about like building a new item for the for Sunny's? Yeah, merch and our branding presence has always been top of mind for me just because that's the kind of person I am. I work in the design industry. I went to art school. It's something that's really important to me is what a brand's visual identity is and how it shows up and um all of the importance of the messaging that's included in that right like how it makes you feel who's who's it attracting all of that is really important to me and very top of mind so I, I wouldn't say it was like the most conscious decision to capture some kind of online audience and have that result in sales that actually happened pretty organically I wanted to come out with merch when I was doing pop-up events because mostly because I'm friends with a lot of really talented designers and I knew I could make something cool that exists in the world and sell it alongside the books and it has grown to unbelievable proportions <laughs> I think like combined the last year and this year online we're almost at like a hundred grand in sales of just online merch which is just like cuckoo bananas um and you know all of that that's definitely like before taxes and before profit margin and all of that and it's not accounting for the the cost of the goods or anything but i mean we're almost at 2000 orders of just like people buying online book merch and some of those are because they want to support the business and they want to support me but a lot of it is just like completely random people who like the look and feel of the brand and are looking for book merch that isn't ugly to be honest, because a lot of bookish and literary merch is really dated and really unwearable and isn't like following any kind of trend language or any kind of 
it, it's just not speaking to the consumer that I am hitting, which is cool. It's cool to be able to like identify that, um, again, white space and kind of deliver on something that people are looking for. Um, yeah, I joke that Sunny's is more like Sunny's t-shirt factory because of how many t-shirts and like hats we sell. And it will definitely always be an important part of our offering, especially since Yuma is such a small town and like people aren't coming to the bookstore for merch in Yuma at all. They're coming for the books. So it's such a great supplementary, like third income revenue for the bookstore. And we absolutely would not exist or would not have the funding to support the actual crux of our mission, which is selling books, if we didn't have this kind of supplementary merch revenue alongside everything else we're doing. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm really excited to be a part of this shirt, too, because it is a, a queer shirt. You, you open a queer bookstore in Yuma, which is really, um, I think, brave. Is that fair to say? Like, I don't know. It seems like a very conservative town for the most part. Um, so before we talk about, like, this shirt and queer books and all of that, I wanted to ask you about opening a bookstore in Yuma and that particular, like, challenge of opening a queer bookstore that you've seen so far. Yeah, it's been interesting and it would feel really deceptive if it wasn't outwardly joyous and queer to me um and it would feel very anti my mission if I was trying to cover any of that messaging up or any of that kind of brand value up um in the store so yeah I don't know have the like latest political divide of where Yuma's voting um history is but I know Arizona in general recently like very recently is turning into a blue state but it's historically a red state and Yuma definitely um is still a red city I would I would think so yeah Yuma is definitely uh, a smaller more conservative town and I was nervous about how this kind of messaging would feel here because my memory of growing up here it was definitely more straight-laced not I think like radically homophobic in any way but not super receptive or having any dedicated queer spaces that people could go to and like commune with other people in and that is like half of the reason Sunnies exist in Yuma and has a physical location and why it's so important to me because that literally changes people's lives. Like if I had a Sunnies or a similar space when I was a teenager to have access to radical literature, to have access to the kind of stories that we're going to talk about later, it literally would have unlocked things in my brain like a decade earlier. Um and I think having, giving people access to like stories that reflect who they are and can help support and affirm them in any way is life-giving sometimes, like not to be overly dramatic or, you know, saccharine about it, but bookstores are really important to me. And the fact that it's an openly queer bookstore is makes it even more so important to me especially knowing where I come from and knowing the kind of lack of community resources that Yuma currently has yeah that's that's perfectly said because I think you know tying to the shirt I got saved by queer books I'll just like stand up really quick so people can see it if they haven't seen it yet um yeah I mean you could also say I got saved by queer bookstores you know now <laughs> people going to Sunnies and everything and I mean it's 
I don't know. I think I wanted to ask about how you think about creating a shirt like this one and any shirt that Sonny's makes, like how much you can share as much or as little as you want to. But this is my first time kind of seeing behind the curtain for you of like what goes into making a shirt. I think it's really interesting. So I guess we could start with like inspiration for the shirt, how we maybe talked about what it should look like um, and like what actually logistically goes into making like a shirt like this. Yeah, totally. For me, a lot of my shirt designs are text based or like they have a saying on them. So a lot of it starts with words for me, haha, <laughs> which is so ironic knowing that we love, we love to read, right? Um, so when I was, me and Jalen were like, oh, we should make a collab shirt one day, like just to merge our audiences and get um, more recognition for both of us in the spaces that we're hitting. So when we were talking about what that would be, we we're like, okay, what should it be? And the idea of something celebrating queerness and the joyousness around queer literature and queer authors came up for us. And I just, we both kind of just were workshopping what that messaging was and what messaging was around it. I texted two of my other queer friends and we played around with a lot of um, different sayings. And I don't know, I don't even know if between that group thread and me and you who came up with this saying. Um, but it was kind of a, a baby that was generated by all of us. I know we also threw around like get, uh, what was the other one? Get free, read queer lit, which I still mm -hmm. really liked too. That was kind of our second runner up. Um, but the, I got saved by queer books kind of, I don't know. It felt, it felt like it to me it just felt like the one. Yeah. I love it. I mean, it was. I've always wanted, so for reading the room and the podcast, I always wanted to have some kind of merch at some point or like just thought about it. Cause I think there's something deeply as intimate, the right word. I don't know. There's something about like wearing something is so, there's something moving about it to me. I was just always like hoping I could make something one day. And yeah, I guess, I don't know what I'm trying to say. I guess it just feels kind of like cool to have something that actually like is a tangible item that we can have forever to kind of like remember this period in our lives, even if, you know, we don't have it in the future, which I'm sure we will. But okay, so let's dive more into the design of the shirt. So who is the designer, CJ? How do you know him and all that? Yeah, the designer is James Casey, who's a really talented brand designer who I've worked with previously um, on Sunny's merch. He's kind of a friend of a friend in the Portland network of design community and um, we've been mutuals online for a long time he designed our more reading shirt and also the cowboy tee and also the tote bag so he is a you know a prolific sunny's designer if you will now probably our our biggest one on the roster and we hit him up and kind of gave him a visual mood board of what we were thinking of that kind of consists of me usually like pulling different reference images. It can be super related to graphic t-shirts, which is like usually the end result of what we're making, but it could be more like vibe and tone um, as well. Some of it can be really specific about like the type or the font or the colors or the graphic elements that are included or what colors we're envisioning. And then we sent it over to him. Um, at first he did kind of a wide array of exploration but I think this was like in the first round one of what we saw it would just needed a little bit of tweaks we like pulled the halo from another design and um messed with the colors a little bit um that second round of revision we knew we wanted it to be black and this yellow so it could have the reading the room colors 
and then kind of just merged some of our favorite options of what we like the most. Yeah, I mean, I love it. It's um, and now I follow James and he's very cool. We have similar taste in like music, um, I, I think, from what I've seen <laughs> on his socials. But yeah, he's he's been awesome to work with. And one thing that I didn't mention yet with us is that 10% um, of all proceeds are being donated to Lambda Literary as well. Um, so it's another cool thing about this collab. But yeah, I mean, when I saw so there's a couple of different options and it's I don't know, I feel like I have a less of an artistic eye than you do, CJ. So it was nice to have like your guidance because I would not know where to start. And I mean, for all of these shirts for you, like how many, so maybe my question is like going into the new year, do you have like a set goal for like how many shirts you want to design or like, how do you kind of tangibly sit down and like work with James, for example, on building something like how, do you know how many is too much, too little, um, or just like vibes for you? It's pure vibes for me. I mean, if I was a smarter person, I would definitely have more of like a re release calendar around certain dates or you know points of the consumer shopping season the only thing I know for sure is that I want to re-release a pullover like very soon because it's about to get cold and people ask for the pullover all the time and it's out of stock right now um but it's more sporadic than that like sometimes it'll just come up um uh, when I'm talking to a friend or you know some designer friends of mine are like oh I really want to do something about bookworms with you so that's like another thing I have you know in the far future we're going to do something about bookworms but I don't know, a lot of it is just like partnership with the designer and having a communicative relationship with them to be able to give them pointed feedback in a way that gets you closer to what you actually want. Because um, I think that's like maybe something that Sunny's has an advantage of is I'm a very seasoned design buyer from my job, luckily. Like I have you know, my whole career of giving designers feedback and kind of getting closer to a finished product through creative revision. So I feel like I know how to art direct in a sense, really, and just give good feedback that will result in fun creative that's not, you know, too restrictive or like setting their parameters too much. You know, that's like the best thing I find is finding someone you like and you trust and like giving them loose guidelines in the beginning and having them roll with it so you're not boxing in that kind of early round blue sky thinking and they can just like kind of feel it out and do what they want and then you can narrow in together yeah i mean i should also i should give a shout out to torin my friend who designed the reading the room art which you know was an influence for the shirt um that was my first time working with the designer on something myself and it was you know the podcast and i knew i wanted something that was like kind of dark but I like the bold yellow and he really like helped get like bring my vision to life. And it's just, it's a fun, like, it's just a crazy feeling to see something that like is in your brain. You're like, well, it could look cool, but then you actually see it come to life. And so, um, yeah, shout out to Torin for being a great designer as well and helping me bring the queer, dark, lit fit podcast, podcast to life that is reading the room. So and I just realized now, like with the reading the room art with like the, I don't know, abstract cloud image. I didn't like tie that to the shirt till right now, which is yeah, totally probably, but um, yeah. So that's another, another tie there. But um, so that is, that is the origin of the shirt. As I mentioned, 10% of all proceeds are being donated to Lambda Literary. And you also support CJ, support me by purchasing the shirt and you get to rep both of our, both of our projects. If you would like to buy a shirt, I'll link it below. But now going into the origin of the shirt, queer books, recommendations. We talk about this all the time, CJ, but I'm wondering what like books you have on your list to recommend for people that want to 
I don't know, know what we like to read in terms of queer literature. No surprise to anyone. My first book I have to recommend is Vanishing Twins by Leah Deirdrick. This is a memoir, um, kind of a memoir in verse, really, about a woman named Leah, the author. And she weaves themes of queerness, ballet, um, twinship, monogamy and non-monogamy as she is exploring her own sexuality and figuring out if an open marriage makes sense for her and her partner. This book really kind of cracked open a nut in my heart and made me feel more affirmed with calling myself queer when I read this four or five years ago, however long ago it was. Um, I am partnered with a man, cis man, and <laughs> married to him. So I obtain and absorb all of the situational privilege of being straight passing or whatever that means to anyone when a queer person is in a, a marriage, right? So I would take all of that with a, a grain of salt as I go into these recommendations is like my journey to queerness might not look the same as yours and that's uh, okay. Um, but yeah, this book just like really got into the the nut of my soul and made me feel really affirmed by its structuring. It's really fragmentary. It talks about kind of like pop culture and art and weaves the interpersonal with the political really seamlessly and was just like a showcase of queerness within a straight passing relationship and how that identity could still be valued and affirmed by yourself and your partner even if it's not always public or not always on blast or not always super visible from people who are not in your inner circle right so I think it just gave me a lot of language and a lot of permission and a lot of empathy and curiosity for like myself and and um how I view myself within uh the context of my partnership which is important it was really important to me at the time and it um is a beautiful memoir and really well written and I really love Leah as a writer that's my first yeah. one <laughs> I, I still don't know how I haven't read that book I know you've recommended it a while or for since I remember you starting your channel so mm -hmm. I gotta read it so I think a book that I hold really close to my heart that I talk about all the time. And he's a writer that I love so much. And it was just kind of like, the way I found him was really interesting in my opinion. It's not really that revelatory, but it's um, An Exciting and Vivid Inner Life by Paul Della Rosa. He is a fiction writer. Um, his debut short story collection has not been published in the US, but you can buy the book from the UK. Um, I buy books from the UK on Blackwell's is where I get it so you can get it there. Um, but it was a, short story collection of 10 stories and I found him because of my love of Atessa Moshfeg who's like my favorite writer and she recommended a short story collection by Amy Baradale and I read it and I hadn't really seen many reviews about it so I looked on YouTube for other booktubers that were talking about it and no one had but I found this interview with Paul in which he talked about that collection and how much he loved it and then I found him I know he loves Atessa long story short his short story collection came out and he captures like every single thing that I love about like queer literature in this collection. Like he leans into darkness. He leans into the kind of 
dark biting humor and just like beautiful prose that I think Otessa Moshfeg has but gives a queer male voice that I really identify with in those stories and from there he was one of the first writers that came on the podcast and has just been an advocate for me on here as well and so that book I think was one that I, I always think about in terms like and it just makes me feel like whole <laughs> thinking about it and how much I love it and it's short stories which I feel like is underrepresented especially like in queer literature for me like I feel like I need to read more of them and I have one of my TBR stack here that um, I'll share later that I want to read but that's one that I really love so shout out to Paul. Wow none of mine are all of mine are nonfiction. Okay, so my second one is All About Love by Bell Hooks. Bell Hooks is a really incredible Black theorist and kind of um, philosopher, thinker, prolific writer on queerness, on race, on gender. Um, if you haven't read her work, you should. And maybe you should start with All About Love. Um, this book is all about kind of interconnectedness between the public and the private and how to express love to others and to yourself um it's very like micro macro and has that tension of push and pull of like the smallest impact has the greatest the smallest uh input has the greatest impact and kind of really moves from the cultural to the intimate in a way that I found really moving and questions what love means outside of a romantic context and just love between any relationship in your life and she has this really famous quote I'm gonna butcher it but it's um basically queer not as not as queer not as being about who you're having sex with but queer as being about the self that is at odds with everything around it and has to invent and create and find a place to speak and to thrive and to live so she really it has that like embodied approach to queerness and divorces it almost from again, sexual preference as just like an aspect of what it means to um, live a embodied queer life and how that shows up in all of the different relationships and connections that we make. And she's a crazy genius. She's very, very important to me. I read that in college and I was like, what? <laughs> um, probably one of the first like feminist theorist thinkers that I, I read deeply and like got to discuss in kind of a more academic setting and that was really helpful because it was led by a queer teacher um so love bell hooks yeah that reminds me i feel like i need to read or make a more considered effort to read like queer nonfiction. If everything on my list is fiction um but the shirt says queer books and that en encompasses also nonfiction. And i have to, <laughs> I have to <laughs> remind myself i feel like my mind could be blown more if i read more like the queer theory and everything um I don't know, I'm just such a fiction lad these days. Okay, so another one that I included here is a book that I reread last year because I was looking up Sheila Hetty's favorite books, as one does <laughs> when they're in a reading slump. And at the top of her list, like in the top five, was um, The Picture of Dorian Gray by Oscar Wilde, which is like classic, homoerotic undertones. Like, I'm not telling anyone anything like revelatory here, but. I reread it after I read it in high school and it's so good because, and the, the reason why it resonates with me is because it embodies queerness in a very subtle way. And and it, I think it's really interesting reading an older work like that and seeing how influential it is on newer, like newer fiction. And th something that I think about a lot as a queer person, especially 
as a gay guy, um, it's just about beauty and the way that like beauty is considered in, I don't know, like in the queer community. And I think it's something that is, that I think about all the time and it really fucks me up. And I think this book is deeply invested in those questions. And it was just fun to see this like in an older work and how those kind of ideas still resonate today in a much different way in terms of social media and the internet and how those kind of ideas carry through. So that book just kind of blew my mind upon reread. And I think it's fun to revisit older works that you might've read when you were younger and kind of see, I don't know, newer queer ideas kind of come to the surface that you might not have considered before. So picture of Dorian Gray's banger. Love that. I've never read. Would read though. It's really good. And Sheila likes it. So trust her taste, <laughs> of course. Okay. My last recommendation is The Argonauts by Maggie Nelson. Maggie Nelson, our queen. Um, this is another mem memoir and kind of similar to the bell hooks and my previous one. It's just talking about the limitations and also the possibilities of like not only love, but language and what labeling something as queer and the complexities and like the joys that come with that mean. Um, she is partnered with Harry Dodge, who's like a gender fluid trans artist and um is like very much so they're both kind of like public art intellectuals and she kind of grapples with her own personal thoughts of like marriage and child rearing alongside these more historical examples of queer theorists like Susan Sontag and um others and I just really loved that kind of juxtaposition of the old and new again and the breaking down of the binary of queerness like the all of these books I think embody something that is really outside of the binary and really is expansive and doesn't compromise when it comes to uh, self-expression and kind of the the uh the label of queerness it's they're all kind of radical in their own quiet and not quiet ways um yeah I love Maggie Nelson all of her work is really great but the Argonauts specifically how it deals with the complexities of queer family were important to me i love that and it's funny thinking about your list compared to mine because i feel like mine is just purely like fucked up queer <laughs> narratives of like just darkness and like what what have you um because my last book is also that but i mean queerness is is a broad you know it's a broad group of of books but um the last one i have is a book that's my favorite book of the year i love it so much with all of my heart it is one that is, you know, mostly just fun, but I think that's something to also find within queer queer fiction or queer books generally. Um, it's The Shards by Brett Easton Ellis, which is another dark, depraved, fun romp of a queer book. But I do think subtly it's doing some interesting work in terms of the autofiction elements that Brett is playing with. It is deeply like a slasher kind of story, but um, I think he really captures this sense of like young queerness and the kind of unsure ness that you kind of feel and also the narratives that you craft in your head about your, your understanding of the world when you don't really understand how to like how to understand yourself and how that can kind of spiral out of control but put that against like a very fun uh murderous kind of thing there as well in terms of someone kind of pining for and obsessing over a new guy at school and how he creates narratives around who this guy is. And I deeply related <laughs> from when I was younger of like the various stories I told myself about people around me, 
um i just think he captures that kind of i don't know that liminal space really well at a young younger age and then writing into like his maturity and casting a lens on the past through the telling of the story which is really fun and kind of meta and it's like everything that jalen likes in fiction so yeah not as not as deep there but i love that book and it's fun and i think you would like it cj it's um if you want to romp and to kind of like somewhat turn your brain off but it's a fun one yeah that's on my list i'm a brett easton ellis apologist so i bet i would like it <laughs> yeah okay well i'll just share mine i was like any um runners up that came to your mind while we're talking but i was like uh has any gay fiction <laughs> impacted me it has okay i want to shout out melissa broder for writing really good sapphic sex scenes i want to shout out dogs of summer which is one of the best uh depictions of very tween girl sapphic yearning when you are in love with your best friend but you don't have language for that yet and you don't know what to do with it that i've ever read and also james baldwin giovanni's room my last shout out of queer fiction. <laughs> yeah, that one I cannot believe I haven't read in particular. Oh, I have oh. it up here. I will read it. I've not read James Walden at all, which is well glaring hole in my reading. Um, shout outs though, for me, same with Melissa Broder. Milk Fed was, I don't know, one of my favorite books of the last like two years. Um, so good. But I would want to also give a shout out to Brandon Taylor. Real Life was like a book that I always credit as kind of like changing my life in many ways in terms of just thinking about fiction, wanting to talk to Brandon after reading it and then wanting to now talk to authors and I finally had him on. So that was just a really cool full circle moment. And authors coming on the podcast very soon. Um, mm. I'm interviewing them on Friday. I'll McElroy's People Collide. This one, CJ, I think you would deeply, deeply fuck with. Um, it's basically a married couple in Bulgaria and it's like a Freaky Friday body swap of this married couple. They wake up, one of them's missing. So it's the husband and his wife's body, and he doesn't know why he's in her body, him grappling with that and trying to find Eli, which is himself, and his wife is in his body now. Um, so you follow that mess of a situation, but it has one of the best sex scenes I've like ever read in my life um, in the book. And it's just really fun, good plot, good writing, really interesting ideas about marriage, about relationships, about gender. Um, and it's really quick and like a breezy read. So I'm excited to talk to them on Friday. And it'll be the podcast episode will drop on September 26th. So another good queer book that I just read over the weekend. Love that. Did you read The Atmospherians by them? I did not, but I need to. I DNF'd it, but I don't remember why. It might have just been me. Um, but that sound that plot sounds better than to me than the Atmospherians did. So I'm not against it by any means. And they're from Arizona. So <gasps> Cool, cool tie there. Um, went to ASU, so. Um, oh, also, Paul takes the form of a mortal girl. Mortal girl. <laughs> mortal girl. <laughs> Andrea Lawler, right? Yeah. Is that the author? Okay. I fuck with that book heavily. That book ruled. Oh, so I guess last thing I'll share. Do you have any TBR books that you're like wanting to read by the end of the year that are queer? Yeah, I wrote down two. One is The Rachel Incident. Mm -hmm. I literally, before this podcast, just picked it up from my library. Um, I don't know what it's about at all, but I know you recommended it, so I'm going to read it. And then also, Oranges Are Not the Only Fruit by Jeanette Winterson, which is like a seminal lesbian coming-of-age novel that I want to read so I can be in the zeitgeist, you know? Love that. 
Yeah, I've never read Jeanette Winterson, but I know Rebecca Eats books really likes mm -hmm. her, if I recall. Those two like go in my head. Um, so for me, I have two books as well. I have Confessions of a Mask by Yukio Mishima. Um, this one was a, I think, direct inspiration on Paul Della Rosa in that collection. I also feel like I did a poor job of explaining what that collection's about. It is a story collection, but it basically follows, you know, a lot of um, first person narration of like young queer people navigating late stage capitalism and like what that feels like. Very corporeal, very dark and kind of funny. But um, this book was an influence for him. And my understanding is that this is about a young Japanese man confronting his homosexuality in post-war Japan. And I know this writer, he committed suicide I don't know how old he was, but um, I just know he's like a really prolific queer writer from, I think, I don't know when he passed. Um, when was this published? 1958. So just, I don't know, going into like my backlist kind of canon, I would love to read that soon to kind of see the influence. And then this book, CJ, I wanted to recommend or not recommend, but just bring to your attention too, because I think it's something we both like. It's um, the complete short story collection of Gary Lutz, which my understanding is she is trans and came out as trans in 2020 and her name is Garyelle Lutz now. Um, but this one I think is similar to Paul's book in that it's a collection of stories that are just deeply dark and very short from flipping through it. But the reason why I bought this is because Otessa Moshbeg is a top blurb and I'll just read a quick, um, a quick sentence from this. It's Gary L. Lutz is a master of the art of American English. Her stories are disruptive, heartbreaking, peculiar, sharp, and staggeringly beautiful. I could read her stories all day and all night. Each story in this collection is a song that ruins me and it's oblique precision and resolve. She's a national treasure. And just as a you know, mega fan of Atessa, she doesn't blurb often. So like mm -hmm. reading that like incredibly laudatory praise for this um, just has it at the top of my, I don't know, top of my list. So that's coming up soon. Yeah. Okay. So that's, those are our queer book recommendations. Um, again, one more plug for the shirt, get it below. I will link it, um, or in the description, if you're listening to this and TJ, thank you for coming on and congratulations on opening the bookstore. Is there anything you want to plug before we sign out? I don't think so. If you're afar, you can shop our merch on sunnysbooktruck.com and you can also buy new books from us on that website as well via our bookshop page those are both fabulous ways to support sunnies if you aren't local love it Alrighty, thank you cj and i'll catch you in the next one i'm sure we'll collab at some point again soon <laughs> on an episode or otherwise but thanks everyone for listening and i'll catch you all in the next one bye